0: Welcome to another episode of From the Depths with Dr. Shimon Blau, based on Rabbi Ephraim Ushri's Shadless Uchuvus Mimamakim, Questions and Responsa from the Holocaust. This series depicts atrocities committed by the Nazis during the Holocaust and may not be suitable for all listeners, especially children. Listener discretion is advised. Rabbi Yashri writes that there was a certain family in Kovno who had assimilated among the non-Jews so much that their own son was never circumcised. In 1941, when the Nazis decreed that all of the surviving Jews had to leave the city of Kovno and go into the ghetto in the sister city of Slobodka, this family, despite having assimilated among the non-Jews, was not spared this fate and were also forced to go into the ghetto. All of their assimilation was to no avail. The father of the family was cruelly murdered by the Nazis, leaving the mother and children to endure suffering in the ghetto like all other Jews. The fate of this family caused them to ask themselves why must we suffer We're just like all the Gentiles. They had a hard time comprehending that to the Nazis anybody who was born Jewish should be annihilated. There was one son however the son who was uncircumcised who developed a sense of kinship and love for his unfortunate brethren and he sought a way to rejoin the Jewish people. He basically felt that if in death I'm not going to be any different from my people then why should I be separated from them in life? He determined to have himself circumcised in accordance with halacha, with Jewish law. The question that arose was as follows. A is somebody who is trained to perform circumcision. In the ghetto unfortunately, there was no mayal that could be found who was Torah observant. However, there was one physician who was known to desecrate Shabbos publicly. And the question was, should Rabbi Yashri allow this rofe, this doctor, to perform the circumcision on this young man who at that time was 27 years old? Or was it better to wait until they could possibly find a mayal who was more observant? As a brief introduction to Rabbi Yashri's response, it should be noted that he actually skips a lot of the source material in the Talmud and goes straight to the Rishonim, the early commentators, and the poskim, the rabbinic halachic decisors. However, their opinions are actually based on a Gemara in the Talmud in Tractate of Zarah, which starts on 27a, and there is actually a lengthy discussion there with regards to a lot of the questions that are covered in Rabbi Yashri's response. Another concept which comes up in Rabbi Yashri's response is the concept of a tufas d'am bris. This refers to a procedure of drawing a tiny amount of blood with a small needle, in certain circumstances in which a circumcision was not done correctly according to Jewish law. Hatafas d'Ambris should be noted as also performed in people who convert, who have already been circumcised. Lastly, there is a term that comes up in Rabbi Ashri's response, which is the term of mummer, which literally translates as an apostate. This is a term which is used by the Talmud to describe somebody who is non-observant. I want to be very clear and say that this term is not being used as a derogatory term, but is a term which is used by the Talmud for halachic purposes, for Jewish law purposes. In addition, the vast majority of non-observant Jews today are actually considered a Tinak shenishba. They're compared to a child who is taken captive at a young age and simply grows up just not knowing the religion. From a halachic standpoint, there are also varying degrees of somebody who is considered a mumar. There is what's called a mumar lahaches, somebody who is an apostate to anger God, meaning the person is rebellious against God. There's a less stringent categorization of mumar, which is a mumar lah tayovon. This is somebody who is non-observant out of a desire, meaning sometimes that cheeseburger just looks too good to give up. But when they transgress the Torah, they're not doing it out of any sense of rebellion against God. The different statuses of all of these categorizations and the halakhic ramifications is not something that Rabbi Yashar really gets into in his response. However, these are big topics that are covered in the Talmud and among a lot of the commentators. I would also like to point out that none of this should be taken to mean that a Jew who is non-observant is any less of a Jew than somebody who is observant. But when it comes to performing religious procedures and ceremonies, from a strictly philosophical point of view, it's ideal to have somebody who is observant and God-fearing perform these. This is simply because there's a certain hypocrisy involved in relying on somebody who is non-observant to perform these religious ceremonies. It's on this basis that the question was posed to Rabbi Yashri. So on to Rabbi Yashri's response. He starts by quoting the Rambam, Maimonides, in Hilchasmila, Mila, Perik Beis, Halacha Aleph, who wrote that a non-Jew is not permitted to perform circumcision. However, if the non-Jew did perform circumcision, says the Rambam, You don't have to repeat and perform a second circumcision. The Beis Yosef in Yeridea, Simon Reish Samech Sef Aleph, rules similarly, that a non-Jew should not perform a circumcision. However, if he did, you don't have to repeat and perform a second bris. Says Rabbi Yashri, Clearly, when the Rambam and the Beis Yosef say that a second bris does not have to be performed, they, are referring to Hatafasdam bris, pricking the skin to draw a drop of blood, which we discussed earlier. Clearly, once a bris is done, there is no more foreskin to perform the procedure on, so the intent of the Rambam and the Beis Yosef must have been with regards to Hatafasdam bris. However, the Tor, Rabbi Yaakov ben Usher, and the Smag, Rabbi Moshe ben Yaakov, disagreed with the Rambam and the Beis Yosef, and ruled that Hatafas dam bris would be required if a non-Jew performs a circumcision. Rabbi Moshe Isserles, the Ramah, also wrote, V'yesh omrim, there are those who say de chayovim lach lachatif dam bris, that somebody would be obligated to do Hatafas dam bris if a non-Jew performs the circumcision. The Ramah is basically a commentary on the Shulchan Arach, which was written by Rabbi Yosef Karo, which was a condensation of laws that he previously wrote as a commentary on the Tor, known as the Beis Yosef. In general, the opinion of Rabbi Yosef Karo in the Beis Yosef and Shulchan Aruch represents the Sephardic customs and legal rulings, whereas the opinion of Rabbi Moshe Isserlis, the Ramah, is a reflection of the Ashkenazi customs and halachic rulings. Now, Rabbi Shafzai ben Meirah Cohen, known as the Shach, wrote a commentary on the Shulchan Aruch and says that, in truth, the Beis Yosef, Rabbi Yosef Karo, actually held that the Rambam did require Hatafazdan Dambris to be repeated if a non-Jew performed a circumcision. Now remember, the previous Rambam and Beis Yosef that we quoted said that if a non-Jew performed of circumcision, there's no obligation to repeat and do a second bris. The Rambam and the Beis Yosef did not say explicitly that they were referring to atafasdam bris. This was just the assumption that was made, that they were likely referring to atafasdam bris, meaning that they would not require this to be repeated. However, according to the Shach, how do we explain the Rambam and the Beis Yosef? To answer this, Rabbi Yashri quotes from the Sefer Get Pashet. This was written by Rabbi Moshe Ibn Chaviv, who came from a family of Jews who had been expelled from Spain in 1492. Rabbi Moshe settled in Jerusalem at the age of 15 and became an expert in Jewish marital law and a gunot. So in Sefer Get Pasha, he writes that according to the Rambam, Hatafas Danbris would be required, and that which the Rambam writes, that you don't have to repeat and do a second bris, what he's referring to is that there is no obligation to go back and cut a little bit of skin. But with regards to Hatafas Dambris, even the Rambam would require this. Says Rabbi Yashri, what all of this boils down to is a disagreement in how to understand the Rambam. The Rambam stated that a non-Jew should not perform a Jewish bris, but if he did, Ein you don't have to go back and repeat the bris. According to some, this means that you don't have to repeat hatafas dam bris. You don't have to go back and pierce the skin with a little needle to draw a drop of blood. However, according to others, what this means is, is that you don't have to go back and cut a little bit of skin. However, even the Rambam would hold that you do need to do hatafas dam bris. Rabbi Elio ben Shlomo Zalman, also known as the Gra or the Vilna Gon, the genius from Vilna, who was one of the most influential and greatest rabbis of the 1700s, ruled like the smog and the tor that Hatafas Dambris would be required. While Rabbi Yashri does not mention this, the Vilna Gon also felt that the opinion of the Rambam was that Hatafas Dambris would not be required. Rabbi Yashri then turns his attention to the law with regards to a non-observant Jew who performs a circumcision. He quotes the Ramah Rab Moshe Iserlis, in Resh who wrote that a mummer l'kala Torah, somebody who is non-observant with regards to all of the commandments to the entire Torah, oh shu or somebody who just doesn't believe in the mitzvah, the commandment of brismila Dino ka'ovid kachavim has the same din, has the same law as somebody who is not Jewish. Based on this, it would seem that just like the Ramah ruled that in a case where a non-Jew performs a circumcision, dam bris would still be required, the same law would apply if a non-observant Jew performed the circumcision. He then quotes from Sefer Evan HaOzer, who wrote that according to the Shulchan Arach, somebody who is non-observant would be kasher to perform a circumcision, provided that he himself is circumcised. This is likely based on the fact that the Shulchan Aruch does not talk about the law with regards to a non-observant Jew performing a circumcision at all. This was only mentioned by the Ramah in his gloss to the Shulchan Aruch. Rabbi Akiva Eger, however, asked the following question with regards to the opinion of the Ramah. He wonders if when the Ramah states that somebody who is non-observant that performs a circumcision has the same law as a non-Jew, did the Ramah mean to say that he is entirely like a non-Jew who performs a bris, meaning that number one, he's ideally not suited to perform the circumcision in the first place, and number two, if he did perform the circumcision, how Hatafas Dambris would be required, or did the Ramah mean to say that he is like a non-Jew with regards to not being ideally suited to perform the circumcision in the first place, but if he did do it, Hatafas Dambris would not be needed? Rabbi Akiva Eger leaves this question unresolved. However, from Rabbi Akiva Eger's question, Rabbi Yashri says that in the very least, it seems that bishas chak in extenuating circumstances, it would be allowed for a non-observant Jew to perform a bris mila, even l'chadchilah, even initially without any reservation. Likewise he says that the Vilna Gon explained that this was the opinion of that somebody who is a Mummer Lekola Torah Kula, somebody who is non observant with regards to all of the commandments, if he did perform circumcision, it would be considered kosher and Hatafas dan Bris would not be required. Rabbi Yashri also quotes from the Chasam Sofer, Rabbi Moshe Sofer, who was one of the leading rabbinic figures in the late 1700s to 1800s, who ruled similarly that a non observant Jew, as long as he himself had a Bris milah, would be valid to perform the circumcision procedure. Similarly, says Rabbi Yashri, this doctor in the ghetto was definitely not somebody who denied the entire commandment of circumcision and would therefore be allowed to perform the circumcision. Rabbi Yashri admits that there are other opinions who ruled more stringently and did not allow somebody who is non-observant to perform circumcision ideally. This includes Sefer Orchaz Chaim. However, says Rabbi Yashri, in this particular case, it was better to rule leniently and allow the physician to perform the circumcision rather than rule stringently and not allow him to do so because if he had ruled stringently, it would actually lead to a leniency, the leniency being that this young man would remain uncircumcised. Rather, said Rabbi Yashri, given that there was no other mile in the ghetto, it would not be appropriate to delay the circumcision on the chances that a more observant Mile may be found later. Instead, he said, one could rely on the opinion of the Evan Ozer and Rabbi Akiva Eger, who allowed somebody who was non-observant to perform circumcision in extenuating circumstances. He then quotes again from Rabbi Akiva Eger. Rabbi Akiva Eger, who we've mentioned earlier, was another one of the great rabbis who lived in the 1700s to 1800s, and was actually a mayol himself. He writes in Chuvis Rabbi Akiva Eger, Simon Resh Samachtalit, as follows, that a similar question arose with regards to a certain mayol who was known to be an expert and quite popular. However, this Mile was also, Mechalo Shabbos Pifer hesia. He desecrated Shabbos publicly, and the question was whether or not people should hire him to perform circumcisions on their sons. The response was that if this person had his store open on Shabbos, or he was known to travel on Shabbos, these were things that were only usher or prohibited rabbinically, which would not make him considered a mumer Kala Torakula, an apostate with regards to all of the commandments. And even if he transgressed biblically forbidden actions on Shabbos, who says that it was performed in front of ten observant Jews, which would be needed to consider somebody Mechalo Shabbos Pifer somebody who desecrates Shabbos publicly. So the ruling was that any God-fearing Jew should ideally not honor this person by having him perform the bris milah on his son. However, if somebody did hire him, there's no reason to complain about it, especially if there's no other moel in that city or given any other extenuating circumstance. Furthermore, Rabbi Akiva Eger warned against investigating this moel further to determine his level of non-religiosity and non-observance. Based on all of this, Rabbi Ushri permitted this young man to have his circumcision performed by this physician who was non-observant observant, stating that every single day the cursed Nazis were killing hundreds of Jewish people, and this young man came to him with tears in his eyes, telling him that if it was decreed that he was also to be killed by the Nazis, he desired to die just like every other one of his holy and pure Jewish brethren, who died al-Kiddush Hashem, sanctifying God's name. This ends Rabbi Yashri's response. I would like to add that the question of whether or not somebody would acquire Hatafas Dam bris if a non-observant Jew performed his circumcision really remains today, as more and more people who did not grow up being observant returned to their faith, this question has been raised multiple times to multiple rabbanim. Many of the young men returning to their faith may have had their circumcision performed by either a non-Jewish doctor or a non-observant moyal, and the question of whether or not Hatafas Dam is required has been asked to many rabbis over the generations. Rabbi Moshe Feinstein and Ingros Moshe wrote that a Dam bris would be required. Rabbi Shmuel Wozner and Shevod Levi disagreed and felt that even though, ideally, somebody who transgresses Shabbos should not be used as a moyal, retrospectively if he does the bris, Hatafas Dam bris would not be required. He actually quotes the Maharam Shik, who wrote that when most authorities do not require Hatofas bris, doing so would transgress the prohibition of inflicting oneself unnecessarily, and all the more so, inflicting harm on someone else. Rabbi Moshe Sternbuch was once asked regarding thousands of babies from the Jewish community of Johannesburg who had been circumcised by a non-Shabbos-observant doctor. The congregation asked if those children would require Hatofas bris. His answer was that Me'ikr hadin, based on the letter of the law, the bris was valid, especially since the male in question could be viewed as a Tinnakshaneshba, non-observant, similar to a child who had been taken captive at a young age and just grew up not being aware of his religion. Therefore, hatafasdam was not required. However, Rabbi Sternbach wrote that if somebody wished to be machmer, to be stringent, and have hatafasdam performed, he may do so and will be blessed. I also heard from a former Talmud of Rabbi Yosef Lerner that Rabbi Yosef Shalom Aliyashev, who was known to be one of the great rabbis of more recent times and who passed away in 2012, was asked this same question many times. For many years, Rabbi Yashif have ruled that Atafas Dambris was required. However, at some point he changed his mind and ruled that it was not required. Obviously, there remain various opinions regarding this. If anybody has a personal question as to the halacha, I recommend that he ask his local Orthodox rabbi. Thank you for listening. This has been From the Depths with Dr. Shimon Blau. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to listen to more. Music by Dexter Britton.